Well, again, welcome to uh, Hope Lower Town. Uh, I'm glad you're able to make it. My, my name is Brian. If you don't know me, I'm a pastor here at, at, uh, at Lower Town. And, and uh, we're, we're coming up on, on uh, two years that we've been here meeting in this space. And, um, and, and next, next week is going to be our last Sunday meeting at 6 p.m. Huh? Go figure. I'll go figure. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Anyways, there is uh, some cold water over here. I know it's toasty in here, um, so feel free to, to get some water if, if and don't, don't hesitate to get a little, little refreshed um, during, during the uh, sermon here. Um, so again, I know, I know things are a little different, but I just want just to jump right into this. Um, not, not really a whole lot of intro. There are summer series. We've been, we've been doing this thing called, Hey, I Have a Question. Um, we've just answered and fielding questions from you. Um, and being able to just try to work through uh, as best we could and try to overlap some of those. And, and we've uh, looked at a lot of different topics of how can a loving God send someone to hell. We've looked at religion and science um, and the origin of life and, and a lot of different things. And just, just looking at what, what does the Bible have to say about all this? Is the Bible reliable for me? Um, and I think the answer is yes. Um, and so this is actually week eight. And so the, the question for today is what is the purpose of the church? Um, and we could, uh, you could, we could look at this in two different ways. And we can talk about the church universal or the, the, the church Catholic, or a Catholic means universal. And so we can look at capital C church and say, that means ev everybody, right? Everyone who's a, who's a follower of Jesus that from, all, from all time and all ages, that's, that's the big C church. But then we could also talk about us and the local church and what, what does it mean for us. And so just because of the transition that we're going to be going into and, and switching to the morning slot and, and a lot of different uh, aspects come with that. So I know if you're visiting, there are going to be things I'm going to say tonight that you might say, no, that has nothing to do with me. And yet, at the same time, I'd hope that whether you're a part of another body or a church, that you'd think about maybe I should be part of another church, or maybe I should be more involved at that church for whatever God has put on your heart and you have the gifting for. So that's what we're going to do tonight is what is the purpose of the church? And we can look at just a, a strict definition. Uh, church in the Bible just literally means an assembly, right? A, a gathering together of God's people. And, and so we can, we can get into that and what that means. And, uh, and I had to quote my boy, uh, Martin Luther here. He says this, he says, the church was born by the word of promise through faith. And by this same word, it is nourished and preserved. That is to say, it is the promises of God that make the church and not the church that makes the promise of God. For the word of God is incomparably superior to the church. Right? That's how we even know what the church is to be doing. And in this word, the church being a creature has nothing to decree, ordain, or make, but only to be decreed, ordained, and made for who begets his own parent. Right? You say the church doesn't have authority to say this this is what uh, we think the Bible should have said. No, the word speaks into what the church is and how we should conduct ourselves and so on and so forth. And so we could just take a definition like that and say, okay, the Bible's a reliable guide for my life. What, what are the nuts and bolts? And we could go through some epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote to his, uh, his churches that he started and planted all over uh, Asia Minor, but we're not going to do that. Um, I, uh, a long, long time ago, I don't remember when this was, but in seminary, uh, wrote this definition of the church. And so it's just kind of a, oh, I top, chopped off the top there somehow. Let me read it here. The purpose of the church is for those who have been called by God and have repented uh, and believed in Jesus as their Savior through faith alone. Uh, and now are living stones being built up into one body for the 
uh, equipping of the ministry and the edifying of the saints through the teaching of his word, both Old and New Testaments, for the purpose of fulfilling the great gospel commission in, I don't know what is that all about, great gospel commission in making disciples and obeying all that Christ has commanded, thereby creating a global community centered on Christ and participating in local gatherings, fulfilling the ultimate purpose of glorifying God for the joy of all people. So, right, that, that's definition, right? So, so let's look at all these passages and, man, that, that's what the church is about, okay? But, but I think that that's pretty straightforward. That, that, that's what a church is. That's what the church does and reflects who their creator is. But what does it mean specifically for us, specifically for 21st century Christians, specifically for uh, the fact that we're going to be moving to the morning, right, at 845, and I know we laugh at this every time, but I promise you we're going to start at 845, okay, no, no more of this, you know, 851 thing that, that we are used to, 845 is when we're starting, because we're getting kicked out at 10 o'clock, so we don't have a choice, so that, that's, that's that, and listen, I, I need you to understand me as, as your pastor, that to know that I don't think that moving to this time is some kind of magic silver bullet, Right, that we're going we're gonna to switch service times. All of a sudden, we're just going to be bursting at the seams. If God decides to, to bless us that way, great. Uh, but I, I don't think that that's just all of a sudden going to happen. Right? I think people traditionally go to church on Sunday mornings, and so it makes sense, and I'm thankful that we're able to do that. Um, we're the fourth church that meets in this space, and uh, the church that we're renting from, First Baptist, is allowing us to go first, and everyone's sliding a little bit, little bit later. And, but... What I will say that this will do is it will really allow us to actually have community. All right? I mean, think about this. You, you, you've all been, you know, you've been coming here for a little while. Meeting at this time at night is difficult. Uh, that, we, that we come and we got to set up, we got to clean up, we got to tear down. By the time we get out of here, it's late, right? Kids, they got to go to bed. Everyone just kind of, we got to just get out. But now it's 10 o'clock. Right now we can go and we can go watch a game and we can invite people over to our houses and, and we can spend time actually getting to know each other after church, uh, which I'm, I'm really excited about that. Angela and I, we, we've been really excited about that and we hope to invite every single people, person, people, family uh, over at some point. And actually on uh, the 25th, so when we, when we move after the morning service, we just, everyone come on over. All right, we're going to have a grill out uh, from 11 to 2. Um, maybe there's some pregame, uh, pregame, preseason pre uh, football games on. <laughs> and so maybe we can watch those together. I don't know, right? Uh, preseason's stupid anyways, but uh, unless you're a Vikings fan, they think it's really important, but it's not. Um, okay. That's that. All right, so I'm excited. You're all invited. There'll be more information about that and then on the little handout you got as well. Uh, another thing, though, because we're, we're shifting to the morning, it's just a fact that there's going to be more families. There's going to be more children. Um, where I'm a dad, I'm a parent. It's, it's, it's a difficult time. Uh, it's a difficult time to try to bring our kids, especially as they get older. It's a school night, yada, yada. So we're really excited about that. So I actually want to um, uh, introduce you. I think you, a lot of you know her, but Amber Schmidt, I'll have you come on up. Uh, and, and, and the exciting news is Amber is officially on staff here at Lower Town now. Um, and so we're excited to have her oversee the children's ministry. And uh, anyway, so I'm going let to her, let her talk now for a minute. Thanks, Brian. Okay, uh, so more, moving to the morning service, like Brian said, we're probably going to have more families uh, come to morning service. And that means that we're going to need additional help in our nursery. And we're also starting a Sunday school program. So we... Um, so if you're looking for ways to serve, there are several ways you can do that. Uh, the first is if you love working with kids, we would love to have you uh, volunteer to either teach Sunday school. Uh, it's ages, we're going to do 
start with one big class of preschool, the third graders, and then kind of break it down depending on how many kids we get. Um, so volunteer to teach Sunday school or to serve in our nursery. We have had a lot of babies born the last couple months, and um, it's nice to have them be taken care of during the service. So they're not crying uh, in the service. Um, uh, other ways you can serve, if you have gently used toys or games, especially for the older kids, like Candyland, Checkers, um, other board, simple board games, um, we're looking for those for the nursery. Um, and the third way you can serve is pray for our kids and volunteers, just that this ministry would um, really flourish and grow and that uh, God would bring about the right uh, volunteers um, for this time. Uh, if you're interested in helping, you can talk to me. I'll be here after the service, or you can email me. I have my Gmail up there, but I also will be having a Hope um, Amber Schmidt at HopeCC.com, I think, will be my email. Um, so you can email that or talk to Brian, and he can get you my contact information. So thank you. Thanks, Amber. Um, okay, great. Uh, another thing on September 8th, I know this is kind of the big thing. This is what we've been advertising. We're doing a big kickoff, and this is going to be church-wide. So this is going to be a uh, lower town meeting with our downtown church, um, and we're going to be in charge of the grilling in the lower town. So I know a few, uh, um, and, and part of that, all right, look, check these out. Yeah, need to make, make some sweet swag. Um, and so we're, gonna, we're hopefully going to rep uh, our lower town, and we're going to be grilling, wearing some cool T-shirts. Um, and then, so if you would, are able to, it, it, you don't have to be a professional griller. It's really simple. Trust me. It's just, it's really cheap patties. You just flip them and it's done. Um, and so, but we, we have about 10 people. It'd be nice if we had about 10 more and, and then we could just serve downtown in that way. Okay. Sheesh. Enough announcements. Yeah. We're just getting started. Okay. What does the Bible then say about church? What does the Bible actually teach about church? Um, I have the, uh, the passage, uh, some of the passages in, uh, that I'm going to be using tonight in your handout so you can follow along, but uh, the scripture will be on the screen. So I'm going to be looking at Ephesians 3 and 4 tonight, just some of the, some of the verses, and looking at what is, the, what is the purpose of the church. So the Apostle Paul says this, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, okay? So, so if you're a non-Jewish individual, he's talking to you. He's talking to the, uh, the Ephesians uh, the church that, that he started in Ephesus. And so he's writing to them. And he's saying, I, I, have, I, have, I have been a prisoner uh, because of me preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for you. And he says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace, right? How, how was God's grace ad administered? That he uh, it was given me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly, he's talking about Romans, which is kind of a weird way to say briefly, because it's not a brief book. Uh, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Okay, so what is this mystery he's talking about, which was not made known to the people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the spirit of God's holy apostles and, and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, everybody in this room, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promises of Christ Jesus. And we have to go back to understand 
this mystery, we can go all the way back to the garden, but we're going to go back to Genesis 15, 17 for the most glorious verse in the Bible. I know I've talked about it before, right? Where Abram looks up and he sees a pot and a flaming torch passing between these sacrifices. It's the most amazing verse in the Bible because God the Father is making a covenant with Israel saying, you will be my chosen people. I will be your God. I will dwell with you. All right? And he's doing all that. And he said, there's going to be a Messiah that's going to come. And a Messiah is going to come and he's going to make everything right. And he's going to mend this broken world and he's going to get rid and kick out, of, kick out sin and death, which we've sung about tonight. And he says, I'm actually going to stake my own deity on the fact that I will never break this promise, that the Messiah will come and you will be saved. That's the promise. And as we look at Revelation chapter 7, the way it's described there when Jesus comes and makes all things right, it's not just for Israel. It's not just for ethnic Israel. It's for everybody who believes and has faith in Christ. And the way that it's worded in Revelation 7 is every tongue, tribe, and nation. Or as our friend from uh, uh, Camden, New Jersey, Doug Logan, he's, a, he's on the board of Acts 29, which we're, we're part of. Uh, he, he says, uh, when, he, when he was preaching through that, I heard him a couple weeks ago, he says, races, places, and faces uh, is the way that he, he teaches that. And it's a beautiful, beautiful image. That's not just one ethne. It's not just one group of people. It's all peoples of all time who put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's the mystery that the Apostle Paul is saying, this has been revealed. It's not just about them, it's about all of us. And then he goes on, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, right, this is the Apostle Paul, he wrote half the New Testament. I'm the least. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone, again, the administration of this mystery. How is this mystery going to be carried out? Which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through, I have a blank in here. His intent was that now through, and we could, what, through, through Jesus, through the, through the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, maybe through, through Peter, right? No, but his intent was that now through the church, his bride, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That the church is going to describe and explain the manifold wisdom of God, who he is. And, and the church is one that's to proclaim the goodness of him who called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. Those who, who, who called us and that we were dead in our trespasses and sin and he quickened us. He made us alive to be resurrected again on that last day. It's our job. Not the angels, not some supernatural being. It's fallible, sinful human beings that by, the, by God's grace and God's power, we proclaim the goodness of him who called us out of darkness. It is our job, church, to proclaim the manifold wisdom of God. Verse 11, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Several weeks ago, I don't know, several weeks, could have been a year ago, I don't remember, it's all, I preached on it a while back, on the holiness of God, right? Just this unapproachable, white, unapproachable light and, and glory of God that no one can see him and live. And yet, because of what Jesus did to us, that we can look at him and no longer cower in fear, but we can call him daddy and that we can approach him welcomely with confidence and freedom. 
even though, as he says to the uh, woman in Matthew chapter 7, even though your sins are many, they are forgiven. Our sins have been forgiven. And leading into where we're going to be going next, that idea, there's a theological term for it called expiation. That on the cross, that when our sins are, are, are on God and on Christ, he also removes them. He also sends them as far apart as the east is from the west. Guess what? That's infinitely apart. And they're gone. And so therefore, if I'm a sinner or was a sinner or, or I've done this deed, I'm no longer known by that deed. I am now in Christ, and I can approach God with confidence. There is no more guilt, and there's no more shame when it comes to understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's freedom in that. So when I talk about, hey, man, there's things that we can do around the church, and there's other ways that we can get involved. Expiation, it was all left at the cross. There shouldn't be any guilt or shame, right? So this is how we, we word this. And Paul, yeah, he, he stole my thunder, so I'm going to get into this. Okay, this is what we say. We're elder-led. Uh, we talked this a couple weeks ago, and we looked at uh, the doctrine of complementarianism and, and how we function as a church, that we're elder-led, that we have godly, qualified uh, men and leaders that, that lead the church and that, that we make recommendations. And, and, then it, and then we would say we're governance team supported, uh, governance team, godly men and women that are qualified, uh, that they're doing the finances, they're doing the hiring, all, all that, right? The elder team doesn't care that I say, hey, I'd like to hire Amber. The governance team cares, okay? So there's a, there's a lot going on here. But so elder-led, governance team supported. We're staff-run, um, even at, at Lower Town, that we have a lot of volunteers, obviously. Uh, but then we also have uh, some interns that are helping out, uh, as well as Zach and Andrew that help out with uh, worship, and then Amber most recently helping out with the, the ministry. That, that, we, that we're doing things, but listen, we're not doing it all, and we can't. We have to be member-mobilized. I spent about eight weeks talking about this, just member-mobilized that we need, we need to move and we need to get going and not, again, not out of guilt and shame. So how can we as a local church share the manifold wisdom of God to our community and beyond? Well, one that was mentioned by Paul is we can join the prayer team. And what I mean by member mobilized in short is that this whole idea, not like praying, God came up with that idea, but that we should pray and that we should pray as a church, right? That we have now, again, the opportunity to come early and, and pray together and pray for the community and, and pray for one another. That came from Emily Jones, who's a, a member of this church that just says, hey, what, what can we do? How can I serve? Can we start this ministry? Y yes, I'm a fan of prayer. Let's, let's do this, right? That's one thing you can do. We can join the prayer team or at least get more information about that. We can help uh, families and the, and the little, sorry, the little, the little ones. And so Amber already talked about that. You can join a hospitality team. There's people that set up and clean up. Again, we have been the fourth church. So this church is kind of messy when we come in here. And so they're getting the bread and the juice ready and for communion and, and setting up signs. And, and that's a big, really big part of, of, of uh, having just a smiling face at the door. And if you're like a super introverted person, I don't want you standing at the door, right? Hey, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Okay. No, I, like this, just if, where's your gifting at? Um, you can join the AV team. You can be as introverted as you want. Sit behind a booth, fall asleep sometimes. <laughs> Shots fired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, can, you can bake or buy some, some goodies after church, and we're still going to try to do this as best we can. Just go into the fireside room and still have some snacks. And then another one that's, that's been started by Josh Darmola and, and Ben Jones has been we're going to be doing something more with the family place. Uh, we have something that we call partner ministries. And as a church, we want to be able to actually do something with the family place. It's 
attached to this building. It's behind here. It's a, it's a, it's a homeless, not, it's not a shelter, but they work with the homeless throughout the day to provide a lot of different uh, resources for them. Um, and so they're going to be talking more about that in upcoming weeks, but keep that in your mind. Okay, going back to what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible teaches about, as a church, that we should be unified that we should have the same mind, the same goal. So we share the manifold wisdom of God by, yes, doing these things again, because out of, out of the joy that is in me, because I love Jesus and I want to see other people know Jesus. And so that means maybe staying a little bit later to clean up, All right? Serving the body so that other people can be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So then we do this also in unity, Ephesians 4. 1 through 16 says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling or worthy of the gospel or worthy of God or worthy of the Lord. He uses this phrase in, in four different places in his writings. Live a life worthy of the calling which you have received, a life worthy of the gospel. Be completely humble and gentle. And unfortunately, the church beyond these walls, not to say we've even been perfect in this, Humble and gentle are usually not markers of the church when people think of the church. That's what we should be marked as. To describe the manifold wisdom of God, we should be marked with humbleness and gentleness and being patient, bearing with another, one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. There's this beautiful sense of unity. But yet we have our differences. We have our, uh, that, that, that you're all not like me and, and vice versa. And, and that's a good thing, right? If, if everyone was like me, this would be a really weird place. Uh, and I'm thankful that, that it's not that way, that we all have our different giftings and quirks and, and responsibilities and, and that we are supposed to be being built up in a body in unity. Uh, I have the unique, um, I don't know, privilege to, to work at a church. I, I love my job. I love the people that I work with. I would normally say uh, that we are really unified in a lot that we do, um, uh, whether it's just our, our mission and our vision and our values. Like, I, I mean, I, I get along with all of my coworkers, except a few days ago, um, I thought, I went out with some of my probably closest friends. I mean, I think we're most unified on staff, right? So Paul Stiver was one of them, and, and uh, Drew Zolke, he's a youth pastor at downtown, and then uh, Davis Johnson, I share an office with Davis, and, and he's in charge of a lot of things. Um, and, uh, and so we, we actually had the, had the opportunity to go out and play, play top golf, okay? Um, if you ever been, it's just a driving range. It's a fancy driving range. It was a lot of fun. And I'm not a very good golfer, okay? I'm, I'm not very good. But these are, these are my friends. Right? We're, talking, we're talking theology, talking about church playing. We're just talking. And every once in a while, you get up there and swing the ball, swing the ball, swing the club uh, to hit the ball. Um, and, and there was this, this one time, though, where I, where I hit a ball. And I'm thinking, you'd think, you know, th these, are my, these are my buddies, right? We should be unified in what we're doing. And, and I hit a ball. And you can see, I, I think this was Davis that sent this picture out. Um, he circled the ball that I hit just before that that went about four inches into the grass, right? And shamed me. Oh, you did it. Paul did it. All right, Paul did this. Paul shamed me, right? So he takes this picture. How, how is that even possible? The backstory behind this and how the ball got there, though, is a little bit more interesting, all right? Um, again, like I said, I'm not a very good golfer, uh, but I'm, I'm teeing off on the drive, 
and and uh, and I and I hit I hit the ball, and as soon as I hit it, uh, next thing I know, I'm on the ground. Okay, so um, what what happened was I I hit the ball so hard that and 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 at an angle that just went perfectly straight out. Okay, 90 degrees this way, but they have these little walls. Okay, and so it it hit the wall. And, and I'm not a good golfer, um, as you could tell. And so as I'm swinging, you're supposed to watch the ball. Thank God I wasn't, because um, I was already doing this. And that ball ricocheted and just smoked me right in the side of the head, right right in my ear. So my ear's ringing. I'm laying down flat on the ground, have no idea what just happened and why it happened, where am I, how am I, uh, all those different questions. And, and, and I'm bleeding from my ear, not the, like, canal. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, it was the, the top, just blunt force trauma, right? And I'm thinking, man, these, these my buddies were supposed to be unified. And then I just get mocked relentlessly, right? How, how, how is it even possible, right? Drew, Drew even texted me right after this. He's like, you could have died, right? I mean, this was like an intense moment, and I'm getting mocked by them. My buddies, let's not do that, church, okay? Church, let's be unified. Let's love one another. I was just, we, had a, we, had a good, we had a good time, and I wouldn't share that story if I didn't think it was, it was fun. It was, a, it, was, it was a good time. I was terrified to go up and hit the ball the rest of the day, though. I was, I was very scared of that golf ball. Um, he then says this, works of service. He says, but each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he descended to the lower earthly regions? Okay, so Christ came to the earth, and then he's going to ascend. He who descends is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe with people who are followers of Jesus. So Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. To what, right? What, what is their goal? And he says here about the church, to equip his people for works of service. I remember back, I think back in the day when I, when I was attending church and I would hear pastors preach on this and I just thought, man, that's just like a, a cop-out for you to just be lazy. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's member mobilized. Sure it is. You guys do all the work. Uh, I, that's not what it's saying. Right? My job is to help and, and, sh- and care for you and shepherd you and, 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 and walk you along in these processes and to be able to help you. That again, it's not, hey, this is my vision. I need you all to be on board. I want it to be your vision. And then I can say, how can I help? Right? That's my job as your pastor, to be able to help you to do ministry in whatever way that may be in works of service, whether that's outside, beyond these walls, and when it comes to evangelism and, and witness to the community, or whether that's within, uh, internally with prayer team and things like that. That is my job, to help you, to help serve, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That we're not there yet, we're not perfect, but our goal is to become more like Christ, to become more of a, of a church that would lead more people to Christ and see people saved. And then finally, the last thing here is that we are just one body. As he were to use that, that language, he says this, then we will no longer be infants, right? That once we, once we grow up, we're no longer going to be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blowing here and there by every wind and teaching of the cunning and craftiness in people and their deceitful scheming. 
How, how, how do we stop being infants? How do we stop going, oh, that sounds like a really good theology, right? The culture says something. We, we did that, like the, the waters in which we swim and talked about a lot of different things that just, what's the culture saying? How are we hearing it? How are we interpreting it? Man, they have a really good argument. Oh, man, they have a really good argument. How do we stop that? By being unified, by being built up on the chief cornerstone of Jesus Christ and being built up into a spiritual house together. And so that we won't be deceived, that we won't be tossed back and forth by cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. It says instead, speaking the truth again in love. In love. That's how we should be known. Gentleness, respect, humbleness, and love. We will grow to become in every respect of the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. It's not me. It's not Pastor Steve downtown. It's not Pastor Core. It's Christ. And at any point we stray from what the scripture teaches about this is what I think church should do and this is what we should be about. And this is once we start straying from the actual teachings of scripture, we've lost it. And Christ is no longer the head. I am or somebody else is. Is verse 16 from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does his work. Not everyone can be a mouth, not everyone can be an eye, not everyone can be a finger, but we support one another and we grow in that unity and with the same mission and vision and values for this neighborhood and this community and beyond. So in gospel application, have you personally seen the church as God's instrument to reach the nations? Right? Or has church just been something that I, I come to, I, I read some things, I sing some songs, I hang out with some friends, and, that, and that's it. Have you really understood the purpose of the church isn't just to be another social gathering and get together. It is a gathering of God's people to preach and proclaim the goodness of his glory, of him who have called us out of darkness and into light. The church is God's instrument to proclaim the manifold wisdom of God. And then finally, get involved, but not out of guilt. I know a lot of you, as a smaller church, we're already really involved. I understand that. And I'm not saying get burnt out, all those things. But the more people that volunteer, guess what? The less you have to do it. And go imagine that. Isn't that interesting? Right? So the more people that volunteer for the nursery, we can rotate things and, and with the Sunday school and with AV and all those different things. And so um, really, again, I don't want to guilt or shame you into that. Those of you who say, man, I, I haven't really done anything. I don't think I'm going to be able to do anything. That's Okay. All right, I need you to understand that, that I love you, I care for you, um, I pray for you. Uh, this is something that, that I don't want to force on anybody of just saying, but man, this is, this is what we get to do now. This is our, our mission as members now, being member mobilized. And it's not out of guilt because the blood of Jesus covers all that, right? Expiation. So again, not even talking about church guilt, but even my own sin and my, my w wicked guilt and, and shame that I used to have that I now put on Christ. And that's possible because of the sacrifice that he made thousands of years ago when he instituted the Lord's Supper and the sacrificial meal. As we look at the, the juice that represents his blood that was shed for us and the bread that represents his body, which was broken for us, and as often as we eat it, that we take in remembrance of him. And so as we take these elements, I want you to be repenting of your own personal sin. I want you to be repenting of, uh, of confessional sin, of, of national sin, of pride in my own heart and whatever it may be. And I want us to, to rejoice and to sing and to praise and to thank that as we're tearing the bread, that we would remember the, the flesh of Christ that was torn for you. 
that as we drink of the juice, that we remember the blood of Christ that was poured out to cover our sins as he stood there under the wrath of God so we didn't have to. There is a gluten-free option uh, on my left, your right, if, if that is a dietary need um, for you. And all I'd ask is that you're a follower of Jesus. You don't need to be a member of this church or a member of any church. Just say, man, if you're a follower of Jesus, we would, we would love to be able to remember what Christ did for us thousands of years ago for our, our guilt and our shame and for his glory. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the church. I thank you for the bride of Christ. I thank you that we can come into this beautiful space that your bride, your church built in 1875, that a group of people that had means and had money said, no, we wanna, we wanna do this. We wanna give money to build this actual structure. But it has nothing to do with the structure. That if the structure burned down, that we would still be a body, that your bride would still be here and the gates of hell will not prevail. That we as a church get to go into that kingdom of darkness and trash the joint because that's what you've called us to do. And hell has no chance because the power of your gospel that is proclaimed by your people, by your church, that we get to share the manifold wisdom of God. So God, would you receive the honor and the praise and the glory as we confess our sins, as we worship in song, as we reflect and remember what Christ did for us thousands of years ago and what you did for us, Father, as you gave your only son to us to die for our sins and that whoever puts their faith in him would be forgiven of their sins and be cleansed from all unrighteousness. So God, would you receive the power and the honor and glory forever? And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.